to all of our friends and guests here, I'm going to share the word Lord today. And here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. How I know what's going to happen? Because the Bible says that God's word does not come back void. Why am I confident that God's word is going to do what it's going to do? Because he said, let every man, let God be truth and every man be a liar. And so everything that is in that word is powerful. The Bible says that the word of God is powerful and able to do what it's called to do. And it is like a two-edged sword that it pierces and it penetrates and it divides the soul from the spirit. I mean, it's, the word of God is so powerful. And we're going to share the word of God today. And if you're here for the first time, or perhaps you're here and you used to go to church and you used to serve Jesus or you was a Christian. And for whatever thing, whatever, what, whatever happened in your life. Because you know what? Life takes its course sometimes and it derails us from purpose. Derails us from purpose. And so whatever the reason is that you stop coming to church or serving God, serving Jesus. At the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come back home. Because we're a family. To come back home. I'll never forget the day I got saved. It was on August 16, 1989, over 30 years ago. 30 years and a couple of months ago. I was in a set setting like this. And the preacher preached a message and it touched my heart. And he said, who wants Jesus? And I was one of the first that raised my hand over 30 years ago. I'm 48 years old, y'all. 30 years ago. I'm still standing because of that one decision. And so today, after we preach the word of God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make your decision. And I'm going to count to three at the end of my sermon. And that's going to be your cue to raise your hand like a rocket to the sky and say, I want Jesus in my life this Christmas. So, Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. We thank you for the, your presence here, God. We thank you, Lord, because we are aware that we are standing on holy ground. We are aware that you are here, God. So, Father God, would you speak to us? Challenge us. Remind us, Lord God, the real meaning, Lord, of Christmas. And I pray, God, Lord, that you do what your word can do. Be glorified, God. I ask you, Lord, to use me. I cannot do this without you, Lord. And I promise, God, that as you use me for your glory, I will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. My, my, the theme for my thought today is based on a song that children used to sing when they were kids. And it's, all I want for Christmas. And it ain't my two front teeth. My theme tonight, today is all I want for Christmas. Christmas <clears throat> is the most wonderful time of the year. As a matter of fact, there's a song that sings that. Is the most wonderful. I love Christmas because I like to see decorations. And up on decorations in the houses and typically after Thanksgiving, everybody starts taking out of their their, base, their, base, their basements, out of their garages, their decorations and their lights. And some of y'all take out that old tree you have and you put it up again and we start lighting up the tree and we start lighting up our houses and we start putting things back in order. And I, I really, honestly, I really like Christmas. Like, I really like Christmas. Now, if you, if, if, if you ask my wife, 
do I like Christmas? She's going to say no. Because my wife feels, and please pray for my wife, she needs deliverance. My wife feels that I'm a Scrooge. Because she says that I don't like to put up lights. And that I don't like to put up. And every time it's the Christmas season, she says, huh? Come on, let's go to the garage and put up the lights. And I'm like, no, I don't want to put up the lights in the house. And I don't want because, to, because, because I'm not as young as I used to. You know, up until a couple of years ago, I would literally climb on a ladder, go on the roof, and light up the house. But I'm, I'm, I'm about to hit 50, y'all. And they don't sell these parts in Walmart. And I'm at a point in my life where I value my knee. Like, I value my knee. I value my ankles. Every part of my body is so valuable. Before, I would fall and I can't get up and keep on running. But at 48, I, you know, put it, put it this way. I, I, I had my dream car. I had a BMW Z4 two-seater convertible. It was amazing. I had to get rid of it. It was killing my back. And you would see me in the street. Oh, Pastor Gabby looks hot, but... Which, by the way, that was a gift. I mean, uh, Pastor Gabby looks nice. He looks great. But I was smiling on the outside. But if you, if you could only hear my spine and my hip, and I would, go, I would get home out of the car, and, and baby, my back hurts, and, and give me a massage. And, and it was just crazy because at my age, I really have to think the things I do before I do it. Because they don't sell this stuff. They don't got these no more. This is, this is one, in, one in a million. And so because of that, I don't like to light up trees. And I don't want to risk climbing up a ladder and falling because I won't really enjoy Christmas. So for me, for me, I enjoy Christmas. I love it, but I just don't like to be a part of the process of Christmas. Another thing I like about Christmas is the excitement on children's faces. There's, 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 which is why I can't wait. Guys, please pray for me. I, you know, and, and no pressure. But I can't wait to have grandkids. But no pressure, no pressure. Because, because you know, every Tuesday I work at a school. I, I'm, a, I'm a campus pastor at a school um, um, from elementary all the way to high school. And, and I, I pastor uh, the high schoolers and my wife pastors the children. And every Tuesday we're around kids. And we're around kids. And, and this time of the year, everybody's excited. And I love to see the excitement that these kids radiate. I love to see the, the smile on their faces. And here's what's crazy, that some of these kids, some of these kids, <laughs> behave bad the entire year up until two to three weeks before Christmas. And if you're a parent who have that not-so-good son, you know what I'm talking about. Disobedient, doesn't listen, does whatever he wants. But when he knows it's two weeks away from Christmas, his behavior starts changing. His attitude starts changing. Because he knows that in a couple of weeks, there's somebody out there who's going to make a list and going to check it twice, and he's going to find out if you're... By the way, Santa is mama and papa. I just blew up these kids' minds. <laughs> Woo! I'm 
I was like, why is everybody going old? I just realized the kids are here. <laughs> My bad. I didn't know they were here. <laughs> what happened was, <laughs> all right, okay, all right. Back in. Christmas is the time of the year, check this out, where or when you rightfully have the expectation to receive what you feel you deserve. Christmas is the only time in the year when you say, here's the things I want, here's the things I want somebody to give me. Matter of fact, not even for your birthday. You have a list of things you want. I mean, I mean, at least that's, traditionally, that's how it is. I mean, some of y'all, you know, may differ, but it's only in Christmas where you say, make me a list. As a matter of fact, I'm in a group chat, my family, my family, my wife, myself, my siblings, their spouses, and we, we're, in a, we're in a family group chat because we created this thing called the Mejia Chris, the, the family Mejia Somervilles, and we, we, have a, we have a Chris Kringle list. And so we did this whole little thing, put your name in the bucket, and everybody gets a name, yada, 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 and then bam, I, I got this person, you got that person. Then, and then we created a group chat, and in that group chat, you know, we decided to everybody to put on that group chat whatever it is that they want for Christmas. And put us aside, because don't be buying me no extra small, because I ain't going to wear it. So everybody puts what they would like to have in addition to what size they have, what they are, whether it's the size of clothing, size of shoes, they have the permits. And so we all have in this group chat the thing, and then we put in the group chat things that we would like to receive. Because Christmas is a time of the year where it's expected for everyone to have a wish list. It's a time in the year where you say, you know what, I feel I deserve to put this and put the other and, 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 and on and on and on. Because, because it's a time of the year where we all expect, all of us expect to receive something. And so, I say that to say this, that there comes a moment, there's a moment that comes in our lives where maturity kicks in and maturity gives us a different perspective of the things we ask for. I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid, you know, I would ask for things as a kid, oblivious to whatever the ramifications of what I was asking for implied. Now as an adult, my perspective changes. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. You know, I, I have a couple of kids in the church that these guys are always behind me every Sunday. Every Sunday, these guys are behind me. That's my nephew, Coco. Well, his name is, uh, I don't even know his name. <laughs> What's his name? Nathaniel. Okay, I'm strike two. One more strike. <laughs> And I'm out the door. I, we, you know, I call him Coco. Well, Coco's my nephew, right? And then AJ, what, what's his name? Albert, okay. So, so you have Coco and you have AJ. And these, these are two kids, they always run around the church. Every time I come in the church, every time I come to the church, they run to me. They, they, they act like they're teenagers. They give me a high five and they dap me. And every Sunday, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, so you know, because I have a relationship with these kids. Um, so I, I hit him up, I, I hit up, I hit up um, um, uh, uh, Tanya, I said, Tanya, listen, 
um, let me talk to Dan, to Coco. So I spoke to Coco. Yo, Coco, hey, God bless you. God bless you. Hey, Coco, listen, what do you want for Christmas? And he told me, he told me what I wanted for Christmas. Then I called AJ. Well, I called Albert. I said, Albert, oh, listen, I, I, let, me get you, let me talk to your son. You know, so <laughs> Albert said, listen, I, I, I'm working right now, but let me, let me, this is the most funniest thing he told me. He said, let me give you AJ's number. Oh, my God, I started laughing because AJ's about, AJ's like three years old, you know? <laughs> AJ's like, he's nine years old. I'm like, he said, let me give you, that, that was just so funny to me. He was like, I'm going to text you AJ's number. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to call AJ. So I, I, <laughs> I got his number. I call AJ. And AJ didn't pick up the phone. This is, this is what's funny. But when I texted him, he replied my text. I called him. He didn't pick up. After I called, I texted him. And he re- because this generation don't want to talk on the phone no more. He didn't pick up the phone. And so I said, okay, well, let, let me try texting. So when I text him, he responded. And I said, yo, AJ, I need to talk to you. So then we finally spoke. I said, AJ, um, listen, I'm at the mall. What do you want Santa Claus to give you? And so AJ said, AJ, AJ, with no hesitation, and I got the text right here because I, I, was, I, I was trying to explain the first service. With no hesitation, let me see, AJ. There you go. I can't believe a nine-year-old has a phone. That's, that to me, I, I'm so shocked over that one. So, so, so I, said, I said, AJ, listen, what do you want for Christmas? He told me what it was. I didn't know what it was. I said, listen, do me a favor because I, I can't understand him. I told him, text me what you want. So he texted me. This is what he texted me. He texted me, um, it's called Tao Tao Arrow 200 Go-Kart. Tao Tao, T-A-O, T-A-O. Tao Tao Arrow 200 Go-Kart. So I'm like, okay. So I'm at the mall. So I'm like, okay, babe. I was with my wife. I'm like, babe, let's go to the mall and buy him his Tao Tao, right? You want to buy his Tao Tao and, you know, whatever. So before I go to look for the Tao Tao, I went on Google to see what it is, because I don't want to go, I don't know what to get. What's, what's a Tao Tao? I thought I was like a Chinese order or something. So, 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 so when I go online, when I go online, and I got it right here, if you Google it, and I hit Tao Tao Arrow 200 Go Kart, I said, whoa. Because the Tao Tao 200 Go Kart costs $1,849. I'm like, you know, you know, you, you cannot tell a kid what he wants for Christmas and not buy it. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so now I call his father. I say, yo, Aubrey, your son is hilarious. I asked his son what he wants for Christmas. He wants my mortgage payment to buy him a gift. So he starts laughing. So then, so then I, text, I text his son, AJ. I say, yo, AJ, that's too much. That's my rent. I told him, I told him. Think of something else, bro. I wrote to him. Think of something else. He wrote, okay. And then he sends me a text. He says, I want a Power Sports Max 125 CC Dune buggy. <laughs> so I'm at the mall. So I go on a Google. And believe it or not, it was cheaper. It was $1,350. It's right here. It's unbelievable. So now, now I got a decision to make. 
Because I, I got to pay, pay my mortgage, y'all. <laughs> but he wants a Dune button, June, June 360, 4AKL, ZYX. So, so what am I going to do? I said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I, I, told Albert, I told Albert, listen, just, just give me his shoe size. <laughs> He's going to get a pair of sneakers, and I'm going to put a GG Dune button picture. That kid's ridiculous. Now, I say all that to say, maturity changes your perspective. Maturity, an innocent child doesn't know the price of a thing. But when you mature, when you are mature, this joke I'm telling you today, when AJ is 15 and 20 and 30, he's going to remember this, hey, man, I'm a Jake. <laughs> maturity changes your perspective. As you mature in life, the answers to the question, what do you want for Christmas, will change. And let me tell you something. Maturity gives you an awareness of what really matters most in life. Someone who's mature versus someone who's immature will ask for things and disregard price or cost. But someone mature says, you know what? I want things that are valid. Let me tell you. Let me, let me tell you something. Me, me. I told my, I, I've been telling my kids for the past couple of years. Listen, for Christmas, I don't want no gifts. For Christmas, I just want to be around my family. Because to me right now, family time is more valuable than a gift. I tell my kids all the time, don't buy me nothing. Let's, let's just come together. And, and, and I get a kick out of watching them doing their thing. And for me, for me. What's, more, what's most valuable to me right now, believe it or not, is something as simple as air that I breathe. Ask an 80-year-old what's more important, catching his next breath or a new iPhone. Maturity changes your perspective on what's valuable. And some of us, we have the greatest gift ever in our hearts, in our lives. And we're still after the greatest big thing. And we want the biggest thing and the, great, the greatest move. And I'm going to tell you today, in order to appreciate the gift you have, your maturity level has got to rise to the point that you can be thankful and grateful with the greatest gift you have. And that's the gift of God through his son, Jesus Christ. I remember when I was a kid, every girl, yeah, young guns, they don't know what I'm talking about. Every girl wanted a Cabbage Patch kit. Remember that? Google Cabbage Patch. Nowadays, kids want Yeezys. And the iPhone 10, the iPhone 12. Listen to me. The older you get, the higher price, the higher the price of a thing you get cost. And, and, and I'll explain that with this and I'll close God provided us the most expensive, irreplaceable gift in the planet. Matter of fact, this gift was so price, it's priceless. In other words, you can't pay for it. You don't have enough money in the world to pay for it. Cost too much money that God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it to you all for free. And having access to the greatest gift ever, some of us have the gift 
in a shelf somewhere. Some of us don't even want the gift. But when maturity kicks in, and when you get a perspective of what values, of what values, well, listen, every gift you have, you cannot take into eternity. The only gift you have that you can take into eternity is the gift of God through Jesus Christ. And God provided a gift for humanity. The Bible tells us that the angel, going to Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 12, the angel says this. Look what the Bible says. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. The gift doesn't look that appealing. The gift doesn't look that exuberant. It doesn't look that eloquent. It doesn't have stars or born in a palace. It's born in a manger somewhere out there in Bethlehem out there. But the Bible says that out there in that little manger, the greatest gift, the gift that doesn't need batteries. You, you ever gotten, and I was, uh, why is it that when I was a kid, I always got batteries. I, I had remote controls, and the people that buy remote controls, they never bought me batteries. And back in the days, the remote control car literally was with a string attached to the car. So here I am pulling the string, acting as the cause of remote control, because the guy never bought me a battery. But this gift doesn't need battery. This gift has not gone out of style or fashion. This gift is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is the only gift that when you get to heaven, you're going to see the gift you had when you couldn't see it when you had it. So when you get to heaven, you're going to embrace the value of the gift. And so the angel says, he is the Messiah of the Lord. He's going to be born. But now let me tell you something about this gift. This gift that Mary and Joseph received in Luke chapter 2, this gift was prophesied about 700 years before the gift came. That's just like me telling you, and when you hit 90, if you're 12 years old, 15, when you get 90, I'm going to get you whatever gift I'm going to get you. The prophet Isaiah had mentioned and said that there was a gift that was going to come, not seven days, 700 years before it came. And look what it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Look what it says. It says, for unto us a child is born. Perspective. Isaiah, Jesus is here. He's born here. Isaiah is 700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah is here. And from here, God shows Isaiah a revelation. And in that revelation, Isaiah gets to get a snippet. Of, of, of something that's happening that hasn't happened yet. And this is what he says. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And look what it says. And the government will be on his shoulders. He can't explain in deep. Listen, it's hard for me to see the name of the speaker from this distance because it's too far. 
So I can only paraphrase and give you a description from my perspective at this distance of what that speaker is. But the closer you get, the more better you can see. But from 700 years of history, he said, man, I don't know what he is. And I don't know what, it, what he looks like, but I can tell you this. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. He will be called Everlasting Father. And he will be called the Prince of Peace. I, I can't see what he looks like from this distance. But what I'm seeing from this perspective is wonderful. What I'm seeing from this perspective is everlasting. What I'm seeing from this perspective is a mighty God. What I'm seeing from this perspective is going to bring peace to the world. Listen to me. So what did God do before Jesus was born? Genesis, when Adam and Eve failed in the garden, the Adam ate of the tree, the fruit, and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree, and they sinned. God has been giving snippets and shadows of the gift since Adam messed up in Genesis in the fall, to the point that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God tells the woman who disobeyed. He said, because of your disobedience, Mr. Serpent, you're going to be dragging and eating from the dirt, the dust of the earth. And Eve, because of your sin, your, your, your labor pains will increase in numbers. But then he tells the woman this. He says, he says, although the serpent bit you in the heel, you're going to step on the serpent's head. Who? Your son and your descendants and your child. And the son you're going to have is going to step on the head of the devil. From Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God has been telling humanity, I'm going to bring a gift to the world. And that gift is going to change humanity once and for all. I'm going to bring a gift to the world. And before he comes up in Luke chapter 2, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you snippets. And I'm going to give you a shadow. And I'm going to show you a typology of the gift that's coming before it gets here. It's like when you go to the movies. When you go to the movies, right? You want to watch, I don't know, Lion King. I don't know. You want to watch the movie. Every time you go to the movies to watch the movie you're going to watch, you first have to sit there and watch the previews. Now, you didn't go to the movies to watch the previews. But in order to go watch the movie, you have to sit there and endure the previews. Now, the preview doesn't tell you everything that's going to happen in the movie. The preview is just designed to captivate your attention so that when it comes out three months from today, you're going to watch it. Oh, so that's why it looked like he was coming out, hanging off a cliff. A preview is to keep you hooked. From Genesis chapter 3 to Luke chapter 2, God has been giving humanity a preview. A preview of the gift, 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 a preview of the gift. Now, God couldn't show the gift because in Galatians chapter 3 says it wasn't the time for the gift to come. So what the God did before the gift came, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And look at what happens, look at what happens. God says, I got a gift for the world. But I can't tell you the name of the gift because if I tell you the name of the gift, 4,000 years, because from Adam to Jesus, 4,000 years. If I tell you the name of the gift 4,000 years from now, you're not going to get it. Isaiah, if I tell you the gift, the name of the gift 700 years from now, you're not going to get it. So here's what I'm going to tell you. It's mighty. It's a wonderful counselor. It's an everlasting father. 
It's the Prince of Peace. Yeah, but what's his name? No, you, you're not ready for that yet. So, so what does God do? Through all of the entire Old Testament. Listen to this. God has been preparing the way for the gifts to come. To the point that the wisest man in the world, the wisest man in the Bible, by the name of Solomon, look what he says in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 4. Look what he says. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Whose hands have gathered up the wind? Who has wrapped up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? Look what Solomon is saying. What is his name? And what is the name of his son? Solomon is saying, from Genesis, they've been talking about somebody's coming. And what is coming? And he's more, more wonderful. And he came from heaven. And he gathers the wing. And he wraps up the water. And he's established the other earth. But Solomon is saying, can somebody tell me the name of the gift? What's the name? And all along, God is like that father. Like that father that wrapped up the gift that that kid has. And the kid doesn't know what it is. But every morning, he comes to the gift. And he shakes it. And the father knows exactly what it is. But the kid is so in anticipation from the fall of Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Luke chapter 2. Humanity has been wanting to know the gift, the gift, the gift, the gift. But I'm here to tell you that all through all in history, God was telling mankind, the gift is on its way. The gift is on its way. The gift is on its way. Look what the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 9. It says... The Lord will be king over all the earth. Look what he says. On that day, what day? Luke chapter 2. On that day, th there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. Now, if you read Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it says his name is Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? But Zacharias is saying, no, no, no. That, all that stuff you heard about Isaiah, that's great. But when that day comes, it's going to be reduced to one name. And so what did God do? What did God do? God provided expressions of the name throughout the Old Testament. Touch your neighbor, tell them God is making a way. God is making a way. Touch two people, tell them God is making a way. Listen to me. God provided expressions in the Old Testament. Listen to me, church. So that we can see the value of the gift that was coming. Look, and I'm almost done. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 31, God wanted to express the gift, but he couldn't express it in Genesis as he had to do it in Luke. So he was teasing humanity with a shadow, a typology of the gift. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, God expressed an aspect of the gift, and he called it Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord is my provider. And then God, in Exodus chapter 15, 26, God decided to show. It's like, you know when a kid opens a little piece of the, of the gift wrapping paper, and he can see. And then, and then in Exodus 15, 26, God shows another aspect of the gift. And he calls it Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord is my healer. In Exodus chapter 31, God opens another expression of the, of the gift. And he calls it Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner or the Lord is my victory. In Judges chapter 6, verse 24, 
God expresses a little bit of the aspect of the gift, and he calls it Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is my peace. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3, God does the same thing. He says, I'm going to show you a little aspect of the gift, and I'm going to call it Jehovah Shaboah, which means the Lord of hosts. In Psalms chapter 7, verse 17, he does it again, and he calls it Jehovah Elion, which means the Lord of the heavens. In Psalms 23, he does it again, and he calls it Jehovah Roi or Jehovah Rea, which means the Lord is my shepherd. In Psalms chapter 95, verse 6, he does it again, and he expresses it by calling it Jehovah Hesinu, which is the Lord is my maker, my creator. In Jeremiah chapter 23 and 6, he calls it Jehovah Sikanu, which is the Lord is my righteous. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, he does it again, and he calls it Jehovah El Shaddai, which means the Lord Almighty. And in Exodus 48, 35, he does it again. And he calls it Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is present. Now listen. Throughout all of the Old Testament, God was giving snippets of the gift. And for, the, for Moses, he called it Jehovah Elion. Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Sikhanu. Jehovah Rofika. Jehovah Hesinu. Jehovah El, Jehovah El Shaddai, Jehovah Shammah, he, he, he would do that, he would do that because it wasn't time for the gift to be in full manifestation. But when you go to the gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18, now the angel shows up to Mary and look what the Bible says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Next. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Next. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Next, she will bring birth a son and you are to give his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. All, listen to this. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. What prophet? 700 years before. Where it says the virgin will conceive and give birth of son. Uh -huh. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means, somebody shout God with us. Come on, shout God with us. Shout God with us. And so now, when Jesus is born, Jesus wasn't just born to save me. Jesus was born to make sure that everything that was prophesied about him since Genesis chapter 3 to Luke chapter 2 would come to pass. So what did Jesus do when he came to the world? He made it his business to manifest himself operating and everything the Father said of him. The Bible says that God expressed himself as Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord is my provider. And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 15, 36, the Bible says that Jesus provided to feed 5,000 people who were hungry. Because Jesus said, not only am I going to save man, but God said I was a provider, so I have to provide as I deliver. 
Jesus expressed himself as Jehovah Rapha, which is healer. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 30, the Bible says, And great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Jesus expressed himself as Jehovah Nisi, which is my victory. And on the cross, he conquered death. He conquered the devil. He conquered the grave. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hands. Jesus expressed himself as Jehovah Mekadesh, which is my sanctifier. Because of Jesus Christ, I am sanctified. Because of Jesus Christ, I am justified. Because of Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ expressed himself as Jehovah Shalom, which means peace. In John chapter 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives it. Jesus expressed himself as Jehovah Sabaoth, which means the Lord of hosts. John says in the book of Revelation that he saw him seated up in heaven and he had a sign that said King of kings and Lord of lords and he is in charge of everything and everything the Bible says is under his feet to the glory of the Father. Jesus expressed himself as Jehovah Elion, which means the Lord of heaven. Which is why when Jesus, was being, when Jesus was born, he used the heavens to guide some Gentile wise men to come to the feet of Jesus. Which is why when Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that the heavens opened up and God spoke on behalf of his son. Which is why at the cross, when Jesus was dying at the cross, the Bible says that the heaven, the sky got dark. Which is why when Jesus rose from the dead and 40 years later he finished his ministry, the Bible says that he was taken up in the heavens in a cloud because he's the God of the heavenlies. Jesus expressed himself as Jehovah Roe. Jehovah Rea in Psalms 23, he says, John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus expressed himself as Jehovah Hasinu, which means the Lord is my maker. And John chapter 1, verse 1 and 3 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. And through him all things that were made were made. And without him nothing that was made was made. Talking about Jesus Talking about the word. Jesus expressed himself as Jehovah Sikhanu, which is my righteousness. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says we are justified by Christ. We have been justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he expresses himself as Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is present. In John chapter number 14 verse 89, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you so much time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So see it, see it, see it, see it. God, from the beginning of the fall of man, he's been saying there's a gift I want to give to the world. There's a gift I want to give to the world, and that gift is going to be mighty. That gift is going to be Rafa. That kid is going to be Elion. He's going to be Lord of hosts. He's going to be a healer. He's going to be a shepherd. He's going to be a mighty God. He's going to be a provider. He's going to be a deliverer. He's going to be king of kings. He's going to be Lord of lords. And by the time we get to chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke, the Bible says that his name is Jesus. Jesus. Listen to me. This is why Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 11, 
It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Oh God, in heaven and on earth, should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And then, after Jesus conquered everything, look what he tells them in John chapter 14. Because he tells them, listen guys, all you need is the gift. All you need for Christmas is the gift. And I am the gift. All you need for Christmas, it's not your two front cheeks. All you need for Christmas is me. And the name of my gift is called Jesus. Listen, before, before, if you needed healing, you had to say Jehovah Rapha. When Jesus shows up, now you have to say Jesus. Because he's a healer. Before, if you want a victory, you have to say Jehovah Nisi. Now when you say Jesus, victory. Because Jesus is the name that covers everything that God was trying to show us. That's why there's no greater name on heaven or on earth or under the earth. Greater, stronger, more powerful than the name of Jesus. You go ahead and call the doctor. I'm going to call Jesus. You go ahead and call the lawyer. I'm going to go ahead and call Jesus. You go ahead and call whoever you want. But I'm going to call the name above every name. That's why Jesus said, in John 14, 13, 14, Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. In my name. I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Because Jesus guarantees us victory in his name. Mark 16, 17 says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. But look what it says. Look at the polarity. In my name, you'll cast out demons. But in that same name, speak in tongues. In that name, you can break poverty. And in that name, you can live in blessing. There's something about the name of Jesus. Listen, there's no other name. You can mention, you can mention Mar the name Mary in a crisis, nothing going to happen. You can mention the name Pepe in a situation, nothing going to happen. You can mention the name Jeffrey in a situation, nothing's going to happen. But I dare you to mention the name of Jesus in the middle of your situation. Demons got to tremble. The devil's got to flee. There's power in the name of Jesus. And that's the gift God has for you today.